This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening across the world at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. Welcome into, it's a Thursday show, but it's kind of our Friday because we don't have a show tomorrow. LSU Baseball starts their season. We'll be talking a lot of LSU baseball in hour number two as Hunt Palmer joins the program. It's supposed to be a special year for the Tigers. We'll find out here very shortly as, again, they get started tomorrow against UL Monroe. We're going to open up talking about the Pelicans in just a second. Pelicans leading the Thunder at halftime. We'll get into the NBA showing hypocrisy once again on Anthony Davis yesterday. Also, we'll talk some LSU hoops, a little bracketology with Chris Daubertin of bloggingthebrackets.com. Where should the Tigers be seated? Mike Neighbors, just un, unreal, uh, unreal, I guess that's a little hyperbolic, but a very cool conversation I had with him yesterday. And Mike Neighbors of CST, he's got a new Saints podcast. We're going to replay that for you later in the hour for anybody who missed it. And then after the Pelicans game, Preston Ellis of the Bird Rights comes on in. And, of course, it's our final show of the week, so we've got two-minute drill, trivia, chance for you to take on me i am undefeated in the last six months it's kind of incredible uh so you need to put it into that i'm just being honest you've got to put it into this tim's got the questions ready i've not seen them sports libs also and yeah happy valentine's day everybody love you audience our blue runner foods opinion poll at wwl.com i'm really curious about this so i want everybody to vote whenever you get a chance and if you're driving don't do it while you're driving when you get a chance what are you more interested in right now the anthony davis saga LSU basketball or LSU baseball? You can log into www.com, cast your vote there, or the radio.com app. Before I get into the Pelicans, I just want to say, and this wasn't planned, I was listening to the anti soccer rants again by our friend Christian Garrick. Christian's probably listening to this on his drive home right now. Um, he knows I would say this to him, so I don't feel like I'm taking a shot when he's not here. Uh, if you don't like soccer, just don't talk about it. I don't like a lot of things. I don't like beats. I don't like really MMA fighting. I'm not really into it. I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but I don't talk about it. I don't profess my hate all the time on the air for it. Come on. It's the biggest sport in the world. Fastest growing sport in the country. Come on, Christian. You got to get with it, man. I don't, you don't have to like it. Those soccer fans, well, maybe some soccer fans are forcing you to like it, but Oh, you don't like it. That's fine. Anyways, I love soccer. Can't wait to the World Cup this summer, USA, trying to defend their World Cup title. Uh, we will talk some NASCAR tonight. I'm more of a casual NASCAR fan, but I am intrigued by some of the uh, – Tim, come on in here. Tim Zimmer back at our Master Control, our studio producer tonight. What is this crazy format that they had today? This Now, this does intrigue me. They called it a duel. Yeah, so on Sunday they had qualifying, and basically sure. they qualify for the first two spots, first and second place. Yep. After that, even if you came in third place on Sunday, you still have to race in the duel, just okay. like first and second place is. So if you were first, third, fifth, seventh, you race in duel one. If you're even number, second, fourth, sixth, so on, you race in duel number two. And wh- the way it works is whatever position you finish in tonight's race is how you start 
the race on Sunday. Oh. So wait, you, so this goes into your the posi- your, your starting position. Your starting on Sunday. position, yeah. And it's crazy because if you wreck your car tonight, you actually wreck your starting car for the race on Sunday. So you have to go to a backup, which so, somebody did. Well, well, yeah, one or two people did wreck, but they're Kyle Busch has a good he has a, good, a lot of money and like he, his backup's just as good as the starting car. So you, pr- a lot of people are very conservative tonight. They don't really race hard because they don't want to ruin their car. You still have three more practices, mm, so right. it's kind of interesting how that works. All right, that's interesting. We will uh, get a little Daytona 500 preview in the second hour and Tim Zimmer's Daytona 500 preview written version online right now at wwl.com. So the Pelicans in action at the Smoothie King Center again. They had a lead at halftime on the Thunder. And what I saw yesterday from the NBA is this saga and the hypocrisy from the league just continues to grow as the league kind of the association bungles their handling of this just continually. And they keep showing how they view the small markets as compared to the larger, more preferred markets in the NBA. But yesterday... The Golden State Warriors were in action. Nationally televised game on ESPN against the Blazers. This is the number one seed in the Western Conference against the number four seed in the Western Conference right now. A highly important and really highly anticipated matchup. So you would think, according to what the league, what Adam Silver was reportedly told the Pelicans front office forcing the Pelicans to play Anthony Davis. Remember, that's what they're doing here. He would not be playing if the league and the association hadn't intervened. So you would think, well, integrity of the game, they'd make sure that in a a very premier game like this, they'd make sure all the, the stars and the players were on the court, right? They'd be consistent. Well, apparently not. Because last night, Steve Kerr sidelined three of his key players, Boogie Cousins, Andre Iguodala, and Sean Livingston, with the only explanation being uh, it was just a night off for him. It was just rest. Just rest. And let me say again, the organization, the Warriors, they have every right to do what they believe is in the best long-term interests of organizational health and success as they prepare for the playoffs I have no problem with Steve Kerr doing this I had no problem with Greg Popovich resting players during the Spurs runs I didn't really have a problem with teams that they, they don't, want to, don't want to play anybody don't want to have an entertaining product like the Sixers did and you just want to tank that's what you want to call it fine nobody's going to go to your games you're going to look a little foolish but I do not believe the NBA the suits and King Silver should dictate who plays and how long they play. Once again, this is just more hypocrisy from Adam Silver in the NBA. And it's very easy to dispel this myth that the NBA treats all 30 franchises equally, regardless of market size or historical prestige. Look at how they've continually turned a blind eye to Lakers president Magic Johnson when he breaks tampering rules. He hasn't done it once, hasn't done it twice, hasn't done it three times or four times. There's at least five times in the last two years when Magic Johnson has blatantly disregarded the tampering rules in the NBA. What does the NBA do? They either completely turn the other way, 
like they did in this last one with Ben Simmons a couple of days ago, or they issue him a proverbial slap on the wrist. A little fine here, a little fine there. They don't really care. I'll tell you, basketball is fun. Basketball is fun. Look at college basketball right now. One of the most fun seasons in recent memory. And I don't, I don't just mean that because LSU is good. I mean the entire country. It's just incredibly intriguing with Zion and Tennessee and those upperclassmen and Gonzaga representing the little guys. And here comes LSU. The NBA is not fun right now. It's become this corporate shell game where the only consistent losers are the fans and the franchises in smaller markets in middle America. You cannot sustain long-term success in 2019 like this. Baseball has learned their lesson. Baseball has been better over the last handful of years because it's no longer just about the Yankees and the Dodgers. The offseason, they try to make it about those two squads, but as Tim Zimmerwell knows here, really you have about 20 teams this time of the year that have legitimate postseason aspirations. Teams from Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, maybe not Kansas City as much, Chicago. How's your how's your Cubbies, Tim? They're hibernating this offseason. Yeah, interestingly hibernating here. I just wish the NBA would get their act together here. And like I said yesterday, it is time. After today, it is time when you hit the all-star break for the Pelicans front office and Gail Benson to stand up for this franchise, for the fans here, and stand up to the bully that is the NBA. I like Adam Silver compared to the other commissioners in professional sports. I've talked about that quite frequently on this program. But he's a bully in this case. And somebody's got to stand up to him. And maybe it'll be the Pelicans. We will see. Pelicans should not just bend the knee to King Silver here. We'll take a break. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Speaking of Gail Benson, reports here locally are saying that she is ready to now blow it up. Pelicans, blow up the front office coaching staff and rebuild from scratch. That is a breath of fresh air, that perspective, if that is true. We'll talk about that. Your phone calls on the Pelicans. Again, 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Seth Dunlap, Tim Zimmer here on the last lap. Get to your calls in just a second here. Second half underway. Anthony Davis is out, will not return due to a left shoulder injury. That, according to the Pelicans, in the third quarter. Pelicans extending their lead without Anthony Davis. 82-71 at home against the Thunder. This team without Anthony Davis playing hard. Not him on the court once again. So yesterday, Fletcher Mackle who works for WDSU-TV. He's about as connected with the Pelicans front office as anybody here locally. And it caught my attention when last night on his show on television, he reported that a source told him, a source inside the Pelicans organization, that Gail Benson is indeed ready to clean house. GM, head coach, taking Mickey Loomis out of that spot probably, clean house the entire organization this offseason the first person really to source somebody inside the organization and say that now I hope this happens I really hope it happens 
for the long-term health and success of the Pelicans, 5, 10, 20 years down the road, now's the time for a rebuild. It's sad, it's a little depressing that the Anthony Davis era is going to end the way that it did. But you have an opportunity here, if you're the Pelicans, to start fresh and get a return on your investment that could be a pretty hefty haul if all the reports on what's coming out of Boston is true. Three first-round picks, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, maybe even Horford. That's a great start on a rebuild. And you've got some young pieces here that could be good long-term. Reports that Julius Randle might want to stay for a long time. Drew's locked up for another three years. See what they have in Frank Jackson. If you're going to rebuild, do it right. Start over. Fix the mistakes that were made previously when you bought this team. Mickey Loomis has to step away, in my opinion, from the president of basketball operations. You need somebody in that spot and a separate person in the GM spot. I do not know yet. Now, I don't know if Alvin Gentry should go. I don't put this on Alvin Gentry necessarily, but the reality is that if you hire a new GM and a president of basketball operations, they're going to want a new coach. And I'm certainly not going to disagree with that as they, I've been arguing, they've got to rebuild this franchise and and their vision. They also need to make the Anthony Davis trade. So hopefully this process has already begun. So that I picked that up and I thought it was big news last night. What Fletcher reported. Let's go to the phone lines. 504-260-1870. Steve in Homa. Welcome into the show. Hey, Seth. How you doing? I am good. What's up? Yeah, I was just calling. Uh, I know they said before that we can't, we can't sit down on Anthony Davis, but can we sit him down after the uh, All-Star break? We'll find out. The, the league's position right now is no. That may change when they see just what a disaster it's been on and off the court. There were reports today that people were showing up with bags on their heads, a la the the Saints a long time ago, right behind the Pelicans bench. When that starts happening, the NBA now has a problem, not just the Pelicans, Steve. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is putting this in a big bind right now, man. They I are. mean, with this, I mean, because, man, this thing could explode on us like in, in a second. You know, I hold my breath every time he has the ball run towards the goal. As you should. You know, As you, what about, yeah. and I don't, I, I, I do not want Anthony Davis to get injured, obviously. And I'm going to wish him well in his next stop. How he's departing here is bad. He's leaving this franchise in disarray. I begrudge him for that. I don't begrudge him for wanting to go somewhere else, and I wish him well. However, let's just say, for example, this shoulder injury turns out to be something really serious. I don't think it is. Who knows? For example here, you know how much value, like Steve was alluding to, the Pelicans would lose in any kind of potential trade? It's absurd. And the double standard hypocrisy from Adam Silver in the NBA is also nonsense. Primetime game yesterday. Two of the best teams in the West. National television. And the Warriors are resting three of their eight most important guys. And we don't hear boo about it. Hmm. Wonder why. Thanks for the call, Steve. We'll go to Tony Uptown. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Okay, yeah, I agree with everything you say. I couldn't even add anything to that. But I've been out of town for the last two weeks, and a few times I tried to get to your program. 
I just have one question about the Saints playoff team. Maybe you can explain to me because okay. I'm just I'm just talking to fans, and you know some people have prejudice viewpoints. If the Saints the, the penalty would have been called, how much time could they have ran off the clock and then kick a field goal? Would have been about ten seconds, give or take a few seconds, by the time that kick went through the uprights. I mean, you can do the math down there. It's about 10 seconds, probably a little less, probably closer to seven seconds left. They would have had to kick it off, and it would have been you – know, the Rams would have needed a Miami miracle kind of play to win that I game. See. I see, because, you see, I heard so many different answers on that. And the reason I ask that is because of the rule, and I'm going to assume the rule now once a, a team scores and they kick and it goes into the end zone and comes out to the 25. Yep. I'm noticing more and more teams what really could kick is – they're not out the game with, you know, 30 seconds left in the game. Well, what do you mean they're not out the game? I don't understand. All right, if it comes out to the 25 and yes. you have a guy like the wide receiver that used to play for the Saints on a Rams team, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Cooks? Went, right. Just say 30 seconds, two 20-yard passes. When that guy kicked the, the field goal for the Rams, <laughs> That not only went 57 yards, it traveled another 10 yards. You did. You you see where I'm going here? I I did. You know, look, but they would have had no timeouts left. The Saints would have guarded the boundary. They would have have allowed them to throw a 50-yard pass downfield. They would have played boundary coverage here, Tony. And unless something all-time disastrous that would trump the Minneapolis miracle, the Miami miracle, all of this. This would be the the greatest, weirdest, most talked about play in NFL history would have to happen for the Rams to then even tie that game. It probably wasn't happening, but thanks, Tony. Let's go to the text line at 870-870. Text from the 504. Sess on fleet. Come on, Gail. Take a stand for us. Sounds like she will. Text from the 601, preach Brother Seth. We know you don't like soccer and NASCAR, uh, so Christian just needs to conform. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'd argue that. Christian would say no. Here's the text from the 504. If AD is so bleeping injury prone, then why the heck would anyone want him? Or is he faking? No, he probably said, I'm feeling something in my shoulder, and the Pelicans were using that to say, hey, okay, cool. Hope you're okay. We'll check you out. You're not coming back into this game. Anytime he even winces, they're going to use that as an excuse to get him off the court, which they should. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's talk some LSU hoops, some college basketball. Where should the Tigers be seated right now? We'll talk to a bracketologist, Chris Daubertine, of Blogging the Brackets, coming up in 10 minutes here on the last lap. We'll switch our focus here from professional basketball. The Pelicans leading the Thunder late third quarter, 91-81. Anthony Davis out with an injury there. Let's talk some college hoops now. Chris Daubertine coming up. LSU coming off that stunning, sensational win against Kentucky. You could argue their biggest regular season win since that 05-06 season. Maybe all the way since, boy, could it be since 1980? First time they beat a top five team on the road since that point a lot of callers and texters and if you look at social media LSU fans a little disgruntled about where they are in power rankings or where they are in like the associated press or the coaches poll and I haven't really I've never agreed with that I've kind of fought back on the texters and people are calling the show on that basically saying I don't care 
And here's and I guess I should have explained why I don't care. The polls don't matter diddly squat in college basketball. Like they still do, let's be honest here, in college football. That selection committee is taking a lot of cues. And that selection committee basically is a poll taking cues from the AP poll, the coaches poll. College polls don't matter. Again, diddly squat in basketball. This is all about seeding. If LSU is the 20th ranked team in the Associated Press poll, they wind up a three seed. That is a great result. That means that selection committee has them as one of the 12 best teams in college basketball. Right now, if you go to Joe Lenardi's Bracketology at ESPN, got him as a four seed. That's up a line spot. That means he believes they're one of the 16 best teams in college basketball. And I agree. I would have them as a high four seed right now. The three seeds in that Bracketology, just to give you a comparison, Marquette, Purdue, Kansas and Houston. Kansas is a team, oddly, they would have a chance to jump. Purdue, Marquette, and Houston all playing sensational basketball. The next team that LSU could jump to a three seed, probably going to be Kansas. Tim Zimmer, come on in here. What say you? I think what LSU fans need to, need to look at is the top 16 that comes out on Saturday because I think LSU, they're going to be in this top 16 coming up. And I think that's what matters because that's what the committee would say, kind of like their, you know, their polls they put out for college football. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same thing. I think you'll see LSU probably between 12 and 16 this weekend. And I think that's what you need to be looking at, not the AP poll. Absolutely. Because I think LSU is going to – I think, like you said, Kansas, I think they're a little overrated. I think Marquette's a little overrated. I could see LSU maybe being 13 or 12. I would agree. That road win against a top-five team means a lot on the resume. So if you're wondering why I, I'm pushing back against anybody who's up in arms, for example, last night, Ralph Michaels, we love our handicapper at wagertalk.com. He has LSU as his 20th ranked team, and we had callers saying, oh, this is crazy. They should be top 10, top 5. Regardless of with you, if you disagree or agree with Ralph, and I tend to more agree on this, I agree with that a lot. On this one, I tend to more agree with him than disagree. Disagree on a little nuance, but you shouldn't care about that. Because it's all about seeds. Don't pay attention to if LSU is number 20 or number 12 in power rankings or polls. It's about the seed line. And on top of that, it's about what region you are playing in. Duke is going to be the number one seed in the East region. Gonzaga is going to be the number one seed in the West region, a region almost likely, uh, almost assuredly. Right now, it is Tennessee, the number one seed in the South region. And Virginia, unless they fall apart, a lock to be the number one seed in the Midwest. You want to stay away from Duke. You want to stay away from Gonzaga's bracket. I believe you want to be in the South or Midwest. Those two are the more winnable regions in my mind. Tim? What I was going to say is what Vegas sees and what the pollsters see are completely different. Because if you look at that game last weekend between Villanova and Marquette, Marquette's a top 10 team, but they were only a two-point favorite against Villanova. I mean, right that in Villanova, obviously they've struggled this year. So that right there tells you that Vegas sees Villanova as a really good team compared to what they see in Marquette. And Marquette's highly more ranked. So just it's completely different from what Vegas sees and to what the pollsters see. Vegas sees LSU different, but the pollsters could have them higher. The two seeds in this bracketology, Michigan State, North Carolina, they'll challenge for a one seed, both of those teams, depending on how it goes the rest of the season. Michigan is sliding, but still at a two, and Kentucky holding solid at a two, which they should 
You shouldn't drop him too much for that loss against a very good LSU team. Here's a text from the 740. Haven't had a text from the 740 in quite a while. Please give Anthony Davis a break. Let him go instead of showering him with insults. Okay, I'm going to stop you right here again. I'm going to I'm going to put you on blast 740 because you obviously have not listened to my show. I have not showered him with insults. I have said I'm completely fine with him leaving. And on a daily basis, I tell the audience and I explain how I feel about him that he is one of the truly good dudes in the NBA. Great guy off the court until this mess happened. One of the really good teammates in the locker room in the NBA. He's not a miscreant on or off the court. He's not a locker room cancer. And look, he's one of the best players in the league. And I believe in player power. He should have the right to go play where he wants to play. So get out of here with this text nonsense. You're a plant. You're a troll. You don't listen to the show enough, and you don't know what you're talking about. So get out of here, 740. I'm glad you listen, and I hope you stay listening, but get out of here with that text. Because it's like you listened to, I don't know, five seconds of the show and heard one word I said without any context. Sheesh. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Chris Daubertine of bloggingthebrackets.com comes on in. A little college basketball bracketology continues here on the last lap. College basketball front and center, LSU. Huge win a couple of days ago against Kentucky. They'll be back in action on Saturday against Georgia. Huge matchup next week against number one, Tennessee, over at the PMAC. Can't wait for that. Well, we'll be at both games next week. Florida on Wednesday. Paul Smith and I, it sounds like we're going to be going over there, checking it out. And then Saturday, it'll be uh, Tennessee. Let's bring on in Chris Daubertine, College Hoops Bracketologist at SB Nation, bloggingthebracket.com. Chris, how are you, man? Uh, like This is kind of like two months of Christmas for me. I don't know about you. This is, yeah, this is when things really kind of start picking up for me over the next the next five or six weeks, things just get a little bit crazy. And, and this year, it's a little bit crazier than usual. So let's start uh, micro-focused here on LSU, and then I want to get big picture. Yeah. But LSU's win over Kentucky, what does that do to their seed line right now? Well, well, I've, I've been saying for weeks to LSU, you know, kind of looking at what their, what their net, what their computer numbers are like, what their actual results were, was I really need, you know, LSU to kind of win a big game so I would really kind of believe in them as, as a potential top 16 top four seed line protected seed type team. So what do they do? They go out and they win at Rupp Arena. You can't get very many bigger wins nationally than that. So, you know, I'll have an update tomorrow. They're, they're going to be right at the top of the four line, just about potentially to break through to the three line, you know, depending on how well they do this weekend. But they're, they're in position where, where, especially with the SEC schedule being kind of backloaded this year for, for the teams expected to do well in Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU. They, they're in great position, really, to make a run for a three, a two, and if things break right, you know, especially considering where Tennessee and Kentucky are, maybe even a one if things go right. Yeah, and their, their lack of marquee wins, especially in the non-conference for LSU, I'm with you. I thought that would hamper them. If they were to lose, say, both the, the Kentucky and Tennessee games, I thought, boy, I don't know how the selection committee is going to view this team, and... Um, you know, we haven't had a lot of great college basketball here recently, so a lot of people yeah. still learning the nuance of this, a lot of people in our audience. Um, but like you said, Chris, this this is enough and a big enough win where it could jump them a seed line or even maybe a couple of seed lines, right? 
Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And like I said, that game against Tennessee, which, you know, they're lucky enough to actually get them in Baton Rouge on the 23rd. I mean, that is going to be an absolutely massive game, especially, you know, if Tennessee goes and takes out Kentucky on Saturday. How much could they jump, just for example here, if they win that game at Tennessee? Or against Tennessee at home? That, I think, that really, I think, could put them on the two line. I'm kind of looking at the schedule here and as I said, it's kind of backloaded, but for LSU, it's not quite as much as it is for Kentucky and Tennessee. Where really that Tennessee game and then a road trip to Alabama is really, to me, looks like the two most difficult games they have left. I mean, they have to play Florida twice, but as a UF alum, I can tell you that the Gators this year, I really think LSU is not going to have much problem with them in either one of those two matchups. Yeah, I'm with you here. Talking to Chris Daubertine at Chris Daubertine on Twitter, College Hoops Bracketologist at SB Nation and blogging the bracket dot com zoom out to the sec what do you think about this conference going back and forth on this with my audience all week long i actually don't think this conference is as good as it was last year when they got a record eight seats i think it's top heavy more top heavy than it has been but the middle and bottom parts i just i'm not really sold on chris are you that's exactly how i would describe the situation as well i mean you know we went into the season kind of thinking that eight or nine teams would be you know a great total for the sec and very possible but yeah even though tennessee lsu and kentucky have kind of run away with things everybody's kind of bunching up in the middle and including that could be a south carolina team that was dreadful during november and december that doesn't really have much of a shot in at large you have missouri and arkansas you know who are kind of in that same boat of course missouri's even a couple games back of that pack um, Arkansas really has not done themselves any favors. I mean, losing to the Tigers the other night really kind of hurt them. Florida has not been very good, as I said. Auburn was expected to be in that Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU tier, that top four tier. They're kind of struggling in kind of a nine or ten seed type range. Mississippi State has kind of gotten themselves a little bit uh, more in, in the stronger position bid-wise. Alabama's a team that has done very well, very well in Tuscaloosa needs to really kind of get some wins on the road in order to really kind of feel safe about their hopes. So, and then of course, Ole Miss has been a great surprise nationally. Um, one of the biggest surprises of the entire country in Kermit Davis's first year, they really are kind of the, the, the shining story other than kind of LSU, I think in terms of the league, in terms of, of the improvement, but otherwise, yeah, it's been really kind of disappointing and that's, that's going to affect, I think the bid total, especially as you're kind of looking at teams, you know, seven, eight, and nine. So when this next top 16 preview comes out, where's LSU, where's Kentucky now? How far do they fall? How far does LSU rise? I'm assuming they'll be in this top 16 this time. Well, well, unfortunately, they won't do another one before we get to March Madness. So they only do the one-shot deal. So, But in terms of my bracket, I think that Kentucky is probably going to be in that two range. I think LSU is going to be a four for sure, maybe a three, depending on what happens else. Otherwise, when I get to my next full update on Tuesday, so, yeah, I think that's kind of how it's going to go. I mean, I think we're, we have, we're in good position to have three SEC teams in the top 16 when we get to the real thing. No bad notes for me here. All right, let's go to the, let's go to the top, Chris, of uh, uh, this college basketball landscape right now. You look at net, I was surprised. Duke coming back against Louisville, you look at the net rating, Gonzaga jumped them. How did that happen? And I'm, a big, I'm from Spokane. I, I grew up a huge Zag fan, so look, go Zags. But that surprised the heck out of me. We really kind of don't really have a great idea how net works yet. And this is a big problem because with the RPI, the RPI was, was kind of a set formula. They did a few tweaks here and there for basketball purposes, but the RPI was what the NCAA used, uses still for a lot of other sports. So you were able to simulate it pretty easily. 
They decided to do net as a completely, you know, their own NCAA-owned thing, proprietary. We don't want anybody trying to figure it out. And it was supposed to be a, a, a metric that couldn't be gamed. So we have the situation now where, where we get these weird things where Duke, you know, wins a close game. And, of course, there's a victory margin opponent. But that's capped at 10 points. So, you know, winning a close game against Louisville probably, you know, isn't going to really cause you to jump too much. But I don't think that really would, it would lead you to have Gonzaga go ahead and jump you in that case. So that was kind of a mystery for it. But you kind of look at some of the other teams in the field, and you kind of see where some of the issues come in. And you look at NC State in particular, a team that uh, Auburn fans in particular are going to be very, very interested in hearing what happens here. NC State, Virginia Tech, Texas Tech, a couple of teams that scheduled some really weak non-conference schedules, bottom 100-type teams, played them at home, were able to you know run up big, huge victory margins on them. One aspect of the net, is adjusted offensive efficiency, adjusted defensive efficiency, kind of like in Ken Palm. There's no caps on those. Mm-hmm. So you're able to run up the score, and that's going to impact your rating. The other thing about the net is, is when you're looking at the team's profile, it's not like the old days going back five or six years where the committee would care more about the way a team finishes the season, last 10 games, last 12 games. They took that out. Now all games from November the 6th all the way down to Selection Sunday are treated equally. So those big early wins are still driving NC State's and Virginia Tech's and Texas Tech's profiles. So they have these inflated net ratings, and you look at the profiles, and you look, they don't have the quality wins, so there's a real disconnect there. So, so that's one thing we kind of have to try to figure out what's going on with the net, and the committee might actually have to try to tweak going into the offseason. Now you need a, a degree in math to figure this all out, which has always yeah. been interesting. I guess Ken Palm and, and Sagarin were some of the first guys to do this, and NCAA piggybacking off them. Talking to Chris Daubertine, College Hoops Bracketologist at bloggingthebracket.com. That's SB Nation. I like the change, Chris, because Gonzaga, Houston, a lot of these Nevada, the, the well, Gonzaga's not mid-major anymore, even though they're in a mid-major conference, but I think they're going to get a fair shake, which they should. Don't you believe that what those teams do in the non-conference should matter just as much as the late conference because look at the last decade in college basketball man and our audience you see these mid-major types all the time now making elite eights and final fours i think the landscape in college basketball has been leveled a lot recently there are a couple points there it's kind of weird that we bring up gonzaga and nevada and kind of the the, the power mid-majors they're doing okay with the net especially when compared to the rpi but a lot of the other teams from other conferences aren't doing so well. Some of the bigger gaps between net and RPI that kind of go against the mid-majors, you know, are coming this season on the, on the RPI side. Their, their RPIs are so much so superior to what they're doing in net. On the other side of it, in terms of, of timing of games and scheduling, yeah, I think that we kind of have to balance things a little bit. Yeah, we don't want to forget about those. November and December wins because they're, they're very important. But we also kind of have to recognize, too, that teams are going to change over a five-month season. So we can't put too little impact on what's going on, you know, in those February and March games. They're going to be closer to, you know, played by teams closer to that are actually going to be in the field. So we kind of have to be, oh, be careful to kind of keep that balance between the two. All right, biggest question here. Who are your favorites right now? And look, this is subject to change in the last month of the season in conference tournaments. But right now, who's your favorites to make that Final Four? Is it Chalk? Is it Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee? Or who do you have? 
I really like Duke, Tennessee. I think Gonzaga, if they get the right draw in the West region, can kind of be one of those choices. That third region, though, I mean, you think about Virginia and you think about kind of their track record. And if they get the wrong draw, like if they end up playing Michigan State yet again in a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight game, might not be the best matchup for them. Honestly, I think you could potentially see two SEC teams in the Final Four. I think Kentucky has really come along over the past six weeks in particular and are really looking like a strong team to potentially be that fourth option for the Final Four. That's interesting. Uh, one question I forgot to ask here. I was seeing some of these bracket projections out there, not necessarily yours, but other sites, Joel Linardi, um, having a, a rematches as early as the second weekend. A couple of weeks ago, I saw something like, or not the second weekend, the second day, I saw like Gonzaga and North Carolina right opposite of each other and other schools. Is that a change? Because I know the selection committee tried to avoid that previously. This is a relatively new change over the past couple of seasons where we've gotten to these massive conferences with 15, 14 members, and they realize that, you know, hey, not all these conferences are playing round robin. They're not playing, you know, each other twice during the regular season. So now they've kind of set things up to try to be a little bit more flexible the bracket. The other side of it is they want, they want it to be a little bit more geographically friendly than it's been in the past. They want fans to be able to travel when they can. Do you see some kind of geographical matchups that don't kind of make sense when you think about how things were done five years ago? So that's really kind of what's driving it, trying to, to, to get, you know, to try to make things a little bit easier on fans. And also the supersized conferences are not quite so worried about rematches because, you know, not every league is playing, you know, 18 games, double round robin anymore. Finally, Chris, who can be this year's Loyola Chicago or VCU or George Mason, the, the small majors that could possibly make a run uh, Cinderella's status in March? We have so many. That's kind of the, the, the plus side of having so many down power conference teams. We have teams like Wofford out of the Southern Conference, who of course beat North Carolina last season. They're kind of looking at potentially being an eight or a nine seed if you go by the net. Uh, Lipscomb, who lost to Liberty last night in the Atlantic Sun. Lipscomb won at TCU. Belmont swept Lipscomb. They still play a home-and-home non-conference series, and they swept them. You know, they lead the Ohio Valley right now. You have Hofstra, who's on an incredible winning run in the, in the CAA. New Mexico State's going to win the WAC again. ODU potentially out of Conference USA, if they can get out of that, because that's a very messy conference, very messy conference race. Yale out of the Ivy. I'm kind of looking at my, my list right now, and there are, are – about a dozen mid-major teams that I think have a really good shot to win at least one game this time around. Great stuff tonight from Chris Daubertine at Chris Daubertine on Twitter, College Hoops Bracketologist at SB Nation and blogging the bracket. Chris, enjoy these last couple of months. Hope to talk to you again before the tournament. Thanks so much. That'd be great, Seth. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Yes, basketball again front and center here, and you know I love that. We'll take a break. Our opinion poll right now at WWL.com brought to you by Blue Runner Foods. What are you more interested in right now? LSU basketball, the Anthony Davis saga, or LSU baseball? Cast your vote there. LSU baseball starts tomorrow. LSU basketball back in action on Saturday. And, well, you know, this Anthony Davis saga continuing all the way through the summer. Well, what do you know? Anthony Davis sits out the second half, and the Pelicans pull away from the Thunder. Imagine that. Team chemistry matters, even in the NBA. 115-104. Julius Randle with 25. Drew Holiday with 26. And Okafor off the bench with 10. Etwan Moore off the bench with 15 points. They've gone 
Well, 12 deep here tonight. No, I had 11 deep here tonight. Anthony Davis sat out the second half with what the Pelicans are saying is a shoulder injury. Tim, do you think that is a legitimate shoulder injury? I'm curious. It's a shoulder injury that's going to last eight to ten weeks. <laughs> well, I hope it's nothing serious. I'm laughing because it's probably nothing serious. What Tim's saying is there that the Pelicans are going to use any excuse to not play him, right? I'd hope to see him play on the 23rd when the Lakers are in town. No, man. No. I don't want the sideshow. I'm not in for the sideshow. Did you see the people with the bags on their heads? Did you see the pictures? Yeah, I mean, we're in New Orleans, so I get it. I get it, too. WWL is your home for LSU basketball. Saturday, you can catch the Fighting Tigers of LSU at the Georgia Bulldogs. Pre-game 4.30, tip-off at 5 o'clock. Tomorrow, we're your home for LSU baseball. The Tigers' early favorites to be College World Series contenders, and their season starts tomorrow at the box. LSU against UL Monroe, pregame 6.30, first pitch, 7 o'clock right here on WWL. That means won't have a show tomorrow unless there's some kind of rain delay or something, but we'll be paying attention to LSU baseball tomorrow night. Two more hours of the show to go coming up in the 9 p.m. hour. We will talk LSU baseball with Hunt Palmer, and then we'll talk Saints with Mike Neighbors of CST. The Saints have blocked an interview request from the Bengals with Aaron Glenn. Good idea, bad idea. And NASCAR preview with Tim Zimmer. Right now, though, Facebook Live, WWR Radio Facebook page, talking AD. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.